Welcome to the Miko Pellet Hour. This is Miko Pellet. I'm your host. And today my guest is Manel Tamimi. Uh, Manel has been a friend for many, many years. She's a courageous activist from the village of Nabi Saleh in, in, West, in the West Bank in Palestine. And um, thank you, Manel, for, for your time and for uh, agreeing to speak to me today. Before we start, I want to mention something you said. I came to Nabi Saleh a few years ago and interviewed you with a friend at your home. And you said something which I will never forget. You said that you are a woman, a mother, a Palestinian, and an activist. And you said this is the, the these are the most difficult things to have all in one person. And you are that person. And, and of course, you do it very well. So can you talk a little bit about what it means to have all of these different pieces inside of you as, as a person? Uh, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's the hardest thing for a woman to be, uh, all these uh, things in, in one person, but um, it's not by choice. Uh, you need, you know, uh, in Palestine we are living under occupation, so activism it's a must. Uh, taking care of the family is a must, uh, and so uh, I, I I choose to be activist because I refuse to to keep silent against all the the crimes committed against my people. Uh, I'm a mother of four. Uh, I'm a worker, uh, I'm working, uh, so uh, yeah, uh, it's not easy uh, because it's not just the, the, the motherhood, practicing motherhood as a normal mother. Here, with uh, during day and night, all the time, I'm worried about whether they're going to arrest my children or not uh, if they went to, to schools whether they will be back or not if they uh, goes to Ramallah they goes to a friend whether they will be back or not uh, during night uh, if I hear the any sound I will okay maybe the army they came to arrest somebody they gonna shoot at the house uh, they uh, maybe settlers they attacked the, the village so all these fears and worries sometimes it's like handcuffed you because fear it's normal to be afraid but in the same time it's it shouldn't ha uh, handcuff you you have to practice your life as it's normal which is not normal but at least we have to live we have to live we're not staying like okay we can't uh, I, I'm afraid, so I'm uh, making my house like a prison. No, it's not like this. We live normal life as much as we can. But in the same time, we are doing things for our cause, for our um, uh, country, for, and for our people. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, just for the audience, I've, I've been to your home I've met many times. Uh, I've met your children, of course, Bilal, your husband, who, who's been recording all the everything that happens in Abi Saleh for many years and made it available for the world. And you do manage to live a normal life. I mean, your kids are wonderful and your house is open and it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, happiness and joy as well as fighting. And again, in that 
interview that I did with you, uh, you said you described something very difficult. And I was reminded of it now with, uh, with uh, you know, on the Israeli side, the Zionist side, they are all talking about the hostages that were taken into Gaza, the Israeli hostages and the poor families and the mothers who missed their children and on and on. And you said something, you told us a story about when your two boys were in prison and you didn't know what was happening to them. And at night you would go sleep in their beds. And then one of yeah. them was taken to the hospital. Can you talk about that experience? Because nobody talks about the fact that Palestinians have been suffering this reality where their children have been kidnapped and put in prison and tortured for decades and decades and decades. You know, they talk about all oh, the poor Israelis now. And of course, it's sad. Of course, that's not the point. But Palestinians, this is their life. And as a Palestinian mother, this was your life. Do you mind repeating that story? Hi. Uh, you've been in the village and during the protest we, we used to do. So um, we know that at one point we, uh, we're going to suffer. Uh, and uh, so for me, um, the choice of resistance and activism, uh, as I said, it was a must because I refused that just to keep silent uh, against everything committed uh, toward my people. Uh, but uh, uh, during the protest, we used to do silent goodbye for each other because we knew that losing somebody is just a matter of time. Uh, either um, death or being arrested or whatever. So I thought that um, emotionally I'm prepared for the point that they're going to arrest my sons, they're going to arrest me, they're going to arrest my husband. They're, even for the idea of death, that maybe it's just a matter of time that I'm going to lose somebody. And you know that we lost seven people, seven of our cousins since uh, um, 2009 until now. Uh, so I, I was in, arrested three times, uh, and it was, for me it was okay because it's my choice. Uh, I choose to resist, so I, I'm taking the responsibility for this choice. But when it's related my, to my children, I, every step I have to think like one million times. Does it worth to put my children in this position? Does it worth to put my children in such um, uh, circumstances? It's, so it was like, okay, rethinking whether I have to do it or not. But by the end, it's cubation. It doesn't matter whether you do something or not. You are targeting for your nationality. Just being Palestinian uh, took the decision to stay in Palestine, you are enemy. So all the time I was thinking and preparing myself that, okay, if they come to arrest my children, okay, that's okay. Uh, all the time they are arresting people. So uh, when they came to arrest uh, Muhammad, uh, he was 19 at that uh, point, uh, they came three in the morning. Uh, of course, we had at two in the morning, we had a call from one of our neighbors that your house is surrounding, so they for sure they're going to enter. So we were prepared that they're going to come to arrest somebody, or at least it's 
kind of show of power that they will enter the house, they're gonna maybe break furniture, they're gonna attack us, whatever. So it's it gonna be a, a difficult night. So they came inside, they put us in uh, one room and uh, then they asked for our, for our IDs. Uh, and when they took Muhammad ID, they took him to, uh, um, isolated him in one of the bedrooms and they were interrogating him. So um, then uh, the, there were uh, intelligence officers with them. He said that, okay, we're going to take him for like half an hour and he will be back. I told him, uh, we know this, that if you take him, he will never be back for a long time. So at least give us time to say goodbye for him. And uh, it was winter, it was uh, January. Uh, the 11th of January, so uh, I brought a coat for him, I gave him a coat and uh, to warm himself. Uh, so then we thought normally when they arrest somebody from Nabi Saleh or uh, for if he's charges for stone throwing, they're going to take him to uh, uh, Benjamin uh, police station, they're going to interrogate him till morning. Then he will be transferred to Ofer prison in uh, near Ramallah. And that's it. So uh, we were okay in the morning. We were calling. I, I called many, uh, called lawyers. I called uh, Yashdin. I called, so nobody knows anything about him. His lawyer was Gabby, Gabby Leski. And she was also trying to find him, and we couldn't find him. And I'm sorry, Yeshdin, was... I'm sorry, Manal, just to interrupt just a second. Yeshdin is an, an NGO that provides... Israeli NGOs, yeah, that uh, she uh, helped uh, the, uh, in founding the prisoner in the fourth, uh, 24, uh, first 24 uh, hours. So... Mm. Uh, uh, they can uh, at least uh, the family they will know where there are sons uh, uh, at that point so we couldn't find him and that was a sign okay there is something growing happening here then uh, we knew that he's in Bitahtigva interrogation center which is one of the worst interrogation centers it's based underground two, two floors underground uh, Gabby, she could his lawyer. She this couldn't. Again, just to just I don't want to interrupt, but just to, so the listeners understand, this is uh, an interrogation center. Not this is the the intelligence services. This is the Mukhabarat. Yeah, the intelligence. Yeah, it's the Shabak. It's not the bullies, and which it, is uh, worse. It's more like yeah. a torture, more like a torture place than interrogation place or questioning place. Just to make that clear. Ex yeah, exactly. Uh, Shabak interrogation, it's worse because they have the license to torture Palestinian. And also uh, the, the center itself, it's well known for the worst interrogation methods they are using. Uh, and uh, it, it, we were so worried because Muhammad, he had the bullet in his leg at uh, he was uh, injured before. And he still have a bullet in his uh, leg. And also he has a, a, a piece of bullets in, in his hand. 
So also his health, it's not a health condition. It's not just a second, um, hold on, Manal, just a minute. We need to we need to stop there for just a minute. So okay. he's 19 years old. They come at two o'clock in the morning to arrest him and they take him to Patikva to a torture chamber. But he already previously, from previous, I suppose, protests in Abisala, he was shot in the leg and shot in the hand. Yeah. And he already has bullets and, and shrapnel in his body from yeah. being shot by the Israelis previously. Yeah. And he's uh, only, Muhammad, 19, only 19. Yeah, Muhammad, he, the first time he was uh, wounded, he was uh, 12 years old. He was uh, standing in front of the house and uh, a soldier shot him with a high ballistic gas canister in the side, which caused a damage in the liver and kidney and internal bleeding. For 12 days, he was fighting for his life and he was in the intensive care. He was, it was a miracle that he survived. When he, was 12, uh, the, when he was 12 years old. Yeah, he was 12 years old. When he was 16 years old, also he was shot with um, live ammunition in the leg. And it was so close to the artery. You know, the left leg, it has the main uh, artery to the, to the heart. That's why... Most of the injuries, it's uh, in the in the left leg. They shoot the left leg because it's more dangerous than the right one. So this bullet, it was very close to the artery, and they were the doctors were afraid to remove it, which gonna make a bleeding, and and maybe they won't be able to uh, save his life. So this they decide to keep it, and the the body will build. A flesh on the in the bullet, uh, and it will stay there for uh, forever. But in winter, or if, if he like plays sports or something, it hurts him. By the end, it's it's a bullet. It's uh, in his leg. How so old we was were, he, How old was he when he when he was shot in the leg? He was sixteen. So three years before the story you're telling us now about the arrest, he was already shot twice very seriously. Yeah, yeah. And, and he was shot uh, the third time. It was assassination uh, attempt, but it was after he was released, two weeks after he was released. So uh, uh, I'm going to talk about this later. Now, so we were so afraid. Gabi, she couldn't visit him. Even when they want to renew uh, his, uh, you know that according to the Israeli law for uh, the first four days, they can keep him. They, then they have to renew the um, uh, interrogation period for 18 days. Then they have to, to renew. So they have to keep renew it. And sometimes this court, it's uh, a chance for the family and the lawyer to visit the, the prisoner. But because it's a Shabak interrogation, they renew this. And while he was in, in Betah Tigba, they didn't send him out to offer or any other uh, any other court. So Gabi, she couldn't um, visit him. And Gabi, just again, uh, Gabi is Gabi Lasky. She's an Israeli attorney. Who's she's Israeli. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's an Israeli lawyer. She, uh, and now she's a Knesset member and she used to take non-violent resistance uh, uh, a prisoner, the cases of non-violence uh, resistance uh, uh, prisoner. So uh, we we have no idea why he's being arrested, what is their charges. Uh, 
what is happening with him. So one week later, uh, Osama, he was working my oldest son. He's, he was uh, 23 at that uh, time. And he was working in Ramallah, so he was coming back. And uh, he, he, he used to be home around 6, 7. So it's like 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. We, are call, we called him, but he's not answering. Uh, I called one of, of his friends. He said, okay, we went with him until he take that, uh, the taxi to Nabi Saleh. Then we left. At, uh, and it, that was at 5. So, okay, it was like 1 in the morning. And till now, he's not here. And the worst that that night, they find a Palestinian uh, buddy. Um, uh, for a Palestinian he, who was shot in a nearby area, it's near Mudi'in. So, uh, but they didn't know who he is. Oh my God. So we were, and settlers, they were standing in front of Halmish, um, uh, the settlement next to the village, and they were throwing stones at Palestinians' cars and they were attacking Palestinians. So, it one. It's like millions of ideas, whether he was the one who was killed, whether the settlers, they kidnapped him, whether they, he was like the car, it made accident because settlers were throwing stones. And, you know, all the words or the bad, all the bad ideas, it come in one minute. And we were, we couldn't sleep, of course, that night. Uh, and in the morning, I called Yishdin, again but they they said that we we don't know where he is but we we are keep searching for after two days we knew that he he also has been arrested and he was also taken to to Bitahtigba interrogation center uh, after like one week later i got a call from gabby the lawyer she said that I got a call from the Shabak and they said that they transfer Osama to the hospital, but I have no other details. So, okay, he is in, in, under interrogation, in the worst interrogation center. He was taken to the hospital. Of course, it's not a normal checkup. We have no other details, no other news. We knew nothing. Uh, then after like another four or five days, I got another call from Wait Gary. A minute. So he's in the hospital, he's in the hospital, and you can't visit him? No, 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 not, he, not even Gabby, she couldn't. So he's in the hospital, being yeah, treated because for, he's we can still assume, under probably because he was tortured, you don't know what happened, and neither you or his lawyer can't visit him, and it's been how many yeah. days already since they took him? Uh, it was like 10 days. So 10 days and you haven't seen seen him yet. You haven't heard from him and you can't visit him in the hospital. You know, yeah. I, I'm emphasizing these things because people don't know that this is the daily life of a Palestinian mother. Yeah. This has nothing to do with October 7. This has nothing to do with any group or another no, group. No, uh, th that this was in life. 2017. This is the life of a Palestinian mother in a small, beautiful village called Nabi Saleh, one of the most beautiful places in the world, I think, but certainly in Palestine. And this is just the daily life. 
on. Go, go. So yeah. I just want to emphasize that that this is this is normal for Palestinian yeah. life. This living in terror like this is normal yeah. for Palestinians. Please continue. Yeah. So uh, um, after like another four or five days, she I, I got another call from Gabby saying that he's. For the second time, they took him to the hospital. Osama has been taken to the hospital. Again, with no details, with, with nothing. So I have no idea where are my sons. I have no idea what they are going through. I began to call ex-prisoners who were interrogated in Betah Tigba. I want to, to, to know about this prison. I I don't want to read about it. I want real experiences. So people and even Jonathan, you know Jonathan Bullock, he told me, Manel, I don't want you to be afraid. I was detained there for five days. If they kept me for another extra day, I will confess that my mother, she's like the leader of Hamas. And Jonathan, Jonathan Pollack, very... just again to clarify, Jonathan Pollock is an Israeli refuser and, and, and activist, yes. Yeah, and, and he's very strong. He's not very this strong, very courageous. Of... Yeah, very courageous. So uh, another friend, he told me, you know, Manel, when I was in Betah Tigba, I have um, uh, uh, a crotch, you know, um, uh, uh, it's like Sarsour. Um, a cockroach. Uh, yeah, is, yes. I, and he was my friend. I was talking to him because uh, I was isolated all the time. And uh, after like uh, 50 days, he he died. So I began to cry. I, I spent the whole day crying uh, because it uh, died. So all this story put me in a emotional situation. Uh, like emotionally, I was... Uh, in a chaos, internal chaos, you know, I I have nothing to to do or I don't know how to help my sons. I know nothing about them. I have no idea what they are going through. Uh, I spend all the day just keep walking without no idea where what I'm doing or where I, I'm going. I used to go to my work and it was as I said, it was January, and I was going out of my office, taking around for one hour while it's raining, and I even didn't feel cold. When I go back to to my office, my colleague, they used, okay, you are like wetting, uh, and they used to take my clothes, uh, warm it on the heater and i i didn't feel any cold i didn't feel that it's raining i shouldn't walk in the rain or i shouldn't many times i nearly had like an accident because i didn't see the cars coming or uh, I, I i was like out of the uh out of the space uh, i and to be close to them i used so every night to sleep in one bed, like today it's um, I'm missing Osama. I I sleep in his bed. Uh, today I miss uh, Muhammad. I sleep in his bed. Uh, even I used like to 
to wash their clothes. It's clean. It's in their uh, closet. But I, I took them, I uh, washed them because I want to feel that they are here. They still uh, living with us. How long, uh, before, was, how, long, how long before they came back? Uh, Osama, he spent nine months and Muhammad uh, two years. But for the first 25 days, they were still in the under interrogation in Bitahtikba, and it was Ramadan. Uh, then Ramadan came. So I used to put plates for them and put food in their plates that they, okay, they're still here. Hamada, he, he loved this kind uh, of food. His, here is his food. Uh, Osama, he's kind of vegetarian. His Here's his. I want to to feel that they still living with us. I I refuse the idea they're not here anymore. I don't know for how long, but it, I refuse this idea. So um, I think anybody who yeah. has anybody who's listening that has children, their heart is exploding now uh, from this from this uh, story. And I know I know I know your children. They are. Sweet, intelligent, kind, handsome boys that you know the best kind of the best kind of children any any parent would be so proud to have and and to love. Um, and, and people need to understand that this is being done to just the sweetest, nicest people, the sweetest, nicest children. You know what I mean? There's this this just to make it very very clear. That's what we're talking about. This is a normal life of of a Palestinian child. Palestinian boy for living, like you said, for existing in, in a place like Nabi Saleh. Yeah, and it's it's a, a very silly charges. It's a throwing stones, yeah. which they couldn't approve. They they didn't find a, a real proof that they really throwing stones. Were but they even were they on trial? Was there a trial, or were they both? Uh, yeah. So after twenty five days. <laughs> They had a trial, and for the first time, they brought them to Ofer, uh, near Ramallah. Ofer is the only Israeli prison in uh, Palestinian territories. Uh, all the, the Israeli prisons are inside the Qubayt 48, that as Palestinian holding the Palestinian ID, we're not allowed to go there. Uh, we need a special permit for this. So uh, after 25 days, they brought them to Ofer, and uh, we went there. Uh, Osama, he was good. Of course, he both they lost a lot of weight. It's like at least it's between 15 and 20 kilos for each. Uh, that I couldn't recognize Muhammad when he, he entered, when he came. Uh, That's about he, 30 to 40 pounds. These are young. Yeah. So to lose 30, 40 pounds when you're that young, yeah, of course, they were yellow. They uh, uh, they were like uh, clothes for somebody who's like 200 pounds. Um, so they were, uh, you have to, to search for them in the middle of these clothes. They didn't wear shoes. Uh, they have long hairs, long beards. You know, for, for 24 days, they, they, they couldn't have even a, a shower. They, they were not allowed to have a shower. So uh, uh, my mother... They're being, they're being held captive. I'm just, I just want to repeat this. 
and then we have to take a little break. But they, for for more than two weeks, for almost a month actually, they're being held, they're being tortured, they're being questioned. They're not allowed to take a shower or shave or take care of themselves. No hygiene is permitted at all. And then suddenly, and then and then they put them on trial. We have to we have to take a little break. You're listening. If you're just joining us, this is the Miko Pellet Hour. I am your host, Miko Pellet. I'm speaking to Manal Tamimi from the village of Nabi Saleh in uh, Palestine. And stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Miko Pellet Hour. I'm your host, Miko Pellet. I'm speaking to activist and mother and friend, uh, Manal Tamimi. Uh, from the village of Nabi Saleh about her experiences um, as a mother, as an activist, having children who are also activists. And uh, I, we were just, I was just mentioning that now as we speak, there's a huge campaign to release the Israeli hostages held in Gaza by Palestinian fighters in Gaza. For decades, Palestinians have been, are being, you know, held hostage really, kidnapped. Um, in violation of all kinds of international laws. And we never hear the voice of a mother. We never, we rarely hear a call to bring them home. And we're talking, these prisoners are our brothers and sisters, their mothers and fathers. They are children of uh, their children and so on. And so Manal, your voice right now and your story is incredibly, incredibly moving and incredibly important. I want to change uh, a little bit and talk about your work. You told me something about a conference you attended here in the U.S., but can you talk a little bit about your work and then why you attended this conference uh, just, just before October the 7th here in the U.S.? Um, I, I just want to say a, a small thing about uh, Osama and Muhammad when they were, when we went to see them in the court, that <clears throat> uh, Muhammad, he has a, a like an stage. He, he has a, a memory loose because of the uh, uh, how they tortured him. Uh, and he couldn't recognize my mother. She was like talking to him, uh, how, how are you, how are you doing? And he was uh, asking the lawyer, uh, who is this woman who's talking to me? Of course, it's forbidden even for- He didn't recognize his grandmother. No, uh, it's, uh, of course, inside the court, you're not allowed to speak with the prisoners. Uh, but we were like, oh, there's no choice that we we we're not gonna talk to them. And so it was like only hi, how are you? How are you doing? That's it. So when I when we left the court, the the judge of course uh, considered us that we're not obeying the orders, and he uh, told the soldier to take them out. So when we they took us out of the court. And uh, then the, the lawyer, she came and she said that uh, Muhammad says that if you see my mother, tell her that I, I love her. So I was just next to him and he couldn't recognize that I'm also there. That was like the point I was like crashed. Uh, alhamdulillah, then uh, we worked uh, with, uh, I, I, I worked with psychologists so she she used to give me uh, instruction how to deal with him. And when the prisoners called from the prison, I I told them what they have to do with him. So we were we took him out of the of this. 
till now, he's been two years in prison, but until now, he still have sleeping difficulties, uh, still have nightmares. Uh, he still, sometimes even he wake in the middle of the night screaming, uh, saying that uh, there is a, a snake com coming or somebody watching from the window or whatever. So he still have some problems, but uh, Alhamdulillah, it's, he is way better than, than before. So regarding uh, the, the conference, uh, I was... Um, but talk about uh, your work a little bit. What is the you, you talked about your work? If you could talk about your work a little bit. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm working in international relations department uh, as advocacy officer in colonization and uh, uh, war resistance uh, commission, which is uh, it's belong to a Palestinian uh, uh, liberation organization. Uh, and uh, we can say it's it's not part of Palestinian authority, but it's working with Palestinian authority. Uh, so uh, it's a governmental uh, sector. Uh, I was uh, in Atlanta in, uh, by the end of August, beginning of September for uh, a conference. It's for uni. Uh, 2023, yeah. 2023. Yeah, yeah, 20, uh, 2023. Um, uh, it was a, a conference that they're supposed to vote for uh, Palestine. It's uh, for uni. Uh, uni, it's like uh, part of UPU, uh, and it's for the uh, um, unions, all unions worldwide. So there were like more than five, five, 4,000 participants uh, from all over the world, the different unions. And uh, they they supposed to vote for Palestine to be to have the full membership in the union. And so uh, the Israeli delegation, they made a huge campaign against this. And uh, they had like a, a deal that uh, the, the Middle East, the um, Mediterranean area, they have like nine um, chairs uh, in, in this um, body. So Israel, they had a deal that they're going to take seven positions and one position for Jordan and the other one for Lebanon. So And Palestine is out. Uh, they don't want Palestine. So uh, I had a big fight when I, I, I knew I talked with the, the American uh, unions, I talked with the Canadian, the British. I was like targeting the big unions worldwide. And eventually we had uh, Palestine, she had four, uh, three uh, positions and Israel, they have four positions. When when they vote, they vote for Palestine, two-thirds for Palestine for three positions, which, which was great because we were out there. Uh, for this, the Israeli delegation, they were so mad. And I, I had, um, there is another colleague with me, he's from Hebron, and uh, they attacked us physically inside the conference itself during one of the panels. 
So uh, one of the Israeli delegation, he was pointing uh, like a weapon, putting a weapon in our heads, and he was, why you are here? Why you came here? You you are terrorist? Blah blah. You know this anti-Semitism and all these uh, propaganda and lies they are keep telling. So uh, at that point, I was like, okay. We have to do something. I went to the uh, one of the uh, organizers and I told her about what happened. So they they decided that okay, they're gonna take us both Israeli Palestinian delegation uh, took us to a room and they gonna um, say that they are sorry and that's it. Of course, which I refused uh, because I told them that. I'm not negotiating them, and I, I will not stay with them in the same room. And if they have to say anything, they have to say it to the representative of the uni, and they come to tell uh, to tell me. But I'm not talking with them. Uh, and so the the head of the Israeli delegation, she said that okay, we gonna apologize. But apology, it's nothing in this case. It's not, he threatened us, he, he attacked us. So I um, asked for like a written apology and I asked for uh, um, uh, like um, a, to, uh, the, the head of the unit to apologize, uh, not apologize, to prevent this person from attending any conference or any activity for the uni, which they they approved. And even the head of the uni himself, he apologized in front of the, um, uh, the conference by the, the in the last panel, he apologized that we are sorry that this happened during one of our conferences. And they decide that, um, any conference, the, the Israeli delegation, they have to give the names before and the position of the people, and they will approve their participation or not, which was great. For me, it was great because uh, uh, they have to know that Palestinian, even if they are alone, but it's that doesn't mean that we can do nothing or we, we will keep silent. Of right. course, this has caused many problems, uh, and uh, but uh, at least we, uh, I'm so happy that we had three positions out of seven, which which is a great, uh, yeah. And I spent a good time in US. I came back uh, because I have family there. I came back three days before October seven, uh, which was like a shock since October 7 until now. Everything happening here is unbelievable uh, in all levels, not just uh, uh, in uh, like in Gaza, in Gaza, West Bank, Jerusalem. Uh, it's all under attack. I can say all of these places are under attack. Occupied Palestinian in Occupied 48. Um, Prisoner situation, yeah. No, no, go ahead, please continue. Yeah, uh, uh, inside prison, it's a disaster because uh, prisoners are not allowed to have 
family visits, nor lawyers, nor human rights organization, none. Uh, nobody knows what's really going on inside the prison. Uh, I have a friend, uh, you know him, Mundir Amira. He was arrested last month. And the, the lawyer, a few days ago, she was able to visit him for the first time. He said that the wars that the prisoner from Gaza, who came from Gaza, they are su subjected to, two, to three times a day uh, torturing uh, session. And he, he saw that once he was, they took him out to the, the cell, they keep changing the cells. And he said that the floor were full of blood uh, and uh, he could scream the uh, hear the the screams and shouting of the the prisoner from Gaza. The food quantity and quality is very bad. Um, it's uh, I, one of the prisoners who was released. He told me that every day they have like a piece of bread and uh, one spoon of jam. They bring it in the morning and till the next morning they bring another spoon of jam and another piece of bread. If they are so lucky and they bring them food, uh, like it's it's rare, uh, rare it's not cooked. It's um, uh, like uh, sometimes they found uh, rats or they found insects or they uh, in the food. Uh, the the canteen, which the, the shop of the, the prison, it's closed. Uh, since October 7 until now, seven people have been killed uh, inside the prison. The last one is just, they announced his name just like uh, half an hour ago. His name is Tarek Abusneni. He's from Jerusalem. He was arrested yesterday and today they declare his death inside the prison. He's 16 years old. Um, so uh, outside the prison also um, all the, there are nearly 700 checkpoints and closed entrances for villages and cities in the West Bank. Uh, Nabi Saleh is the, the entrances, the two entrances of Nabi Saleh is closed. So if we have to go to Ramallah, it used to take like half an hour. Now it takes two hours and three hours to be able to reach Ramallah, that if, that's if we are lucky because all the time there are checkpoints and they for us to go back. Uh, they would get gates everywhere, even, you know, uh, near uh, Atara, there are gates. Uh, they bought two gates. Uh, after like two kilos, there are another two gates. So all the time you have to pass gates and we ha you have to take... Uh, best roads because we're not allowed to take the, the main streets. Uh, also, at these checkpoints, uh, they keep searching the phones. So, if they find uh, uh, a photo or a video, or even if you have a Telegram uh, account or if you have a, a TikTok account, they, they most of the time either they arrest the person or they attack him physically. I know uh, somebody, he's 21 years old, and they took his phone, they searched him, and they couldn't find Telegram. So they told him, 
we searched your phone number and it shows that you have telegram so you deleted this means that you deleted and they they kicked him out he spent one week in the hospital and he was so lucky that he survived because he he just deleted the the telegram so any and many times they use this as a excuse one day he was arrested over uh um a like he put a like for somebody even he didn't post on his facebook he didn't put anything but he just put a like for a, a somebody else post so now he's uh, they sentence him four months under administrative detention and the lawyer says that um uh, they told her that they're gonna renew this after the, the end of the um the just to clarify Mundar Amira, many people know uh Mundar Amira. he is an activist from uh Aida refugee camp near uh, near bethlehem many people yeah. know him he's a brave and wonderful soul everybody loves uh everybody loves him he's a very brave yeah. man but he's also he's a very very kind and generous man that everybody every i think you agree with me. everybody loves Mundar and everybody that knows him experienced him knows yeah him. yeah yeah we we met him so much so um also another thing since october 7 that the the soldiers they are serving in west bank they are not in i don't know how you say it in english it's like on hold soldiers who are civilians uh, having normal careers, but in the time of war, they take him to- uh, Reserves. Reserves, yeah. yeah. Uh, so most of them, they are like this person who they took them from their comfort, uh, comfort zone and they have to serve in the army. They live their careers, their houses, their beautiful lives. So they want to revenge for this. Uh, now, the minute they are uh, in the village, immediately they only use live ammunition. They're not using tear gas. They're not using steel-coated rubber bullets. They're not using anything. It's only live ammunition. The other day we were having lunch in the kitchen and suddenly we began to hear sound of live ammunition. Of course, we were like on the ground, all of us on the ground, and the soldiers were in front of the house shooting for nothing. There were nobody in the in the street. And uh, after they left, we were able to um, count 13, uh, 30 live bullets in the house, in the, in the walls of the house. We were so lucky that these bullets were, weren't inside. We, we could be killed all or even got one dead and this is just was sh kind of show power there is no need for this there is no need uh, so since um three months we have like six people seven people have been killed from the area from here and of course it's just like this uh, they just enter the place shooting like ammunition killing the person and they just leave that's another part of the of this uh, issue that people never talk about and nobody here very few people talk about nobody hears about here on the, the Miko Pellet Hour I've been interviewing over the last weeks I've been interviewing activists from Naqab from Jerusalem from Hebron you know and now yourself these are voices of people that are really explaining and, and showing what is happening throughout all of Palestine 
every day, and then especially right. after October 7, how, how things have become much worse for Palestinians everywhere. It's not just about Gaza. And um, and Palestinians are being punished everywhere. Even the ones that are already in the prison are facing inhumane, completely, completely inhumane conditions. And the things that you described, Manal, are are just horrifying. You know, I wanna I wanna bring you back to um, like I said, I know you, I know your family, I know your children. Um, there's a normalcy in a, in, a, in a life and a love in your house and in your family and in your children. And there's also this resistance. And in that same interview that we had a few years ago, you talked about teaching your children the need to resist and for what's theirs, but also to teach them about love and how yeah. difficult that is to do both. Yeah. And, uh, can you talk because you succeed I mean many people maybe try but in your case you succeed I mean you know I visited Luckily, your house yeah. I came with my children to visit your house your kids came there's a friendship and a love there that is obvious but there's also this need to fight and resist and, and pay a very very heavy price for that how do you teach that how do you balance that how do you create this environment where one day it's like normal and the next day you're in this position it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all because to teach them to to love and to believe in justice, dignity, uh, humanity, while you are expecting losing your life any minute, and after all this uh, brutality, and uh, after saying uh, uh, all of my cousins who was killed since 2009 until now. Our children, they uh, they saw them dying. They were there. They uh, 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 saw them, uh, like one, one of my cousins, his name is Zayez, and he was killed at my uh, house uh, backyard. And my children were standing on the, uh, uh, on the balcony and my daughter, she told him, as soldiers are here, be careful. He said that, uh, okay, I'm going home. I'm not doing anything. So she went inside to bring her phone and she heard the sound of live ammunition. When she was out, eyes were on the ground bleeding. They shot him and kept him bleeding uh, till he, he died. So... Uh, she was uh, 14, and uh, Samir, he was uh, 10. They went to help him, but the soldiers put the rifles on their head and told them that we're going to shoot them, shoot you the same we did with him. You have to go back. So they they were watching him until he died from the their uh, bedroom windows. So all, all these experiences, and many, 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 I need, like, 10 hours to, if I want to talk about everything. But with this, it was very difficult to keep them believing that still life is still good and we, we have to live it. Uh, I, I taught them to keep resisting uh, because we don't want to lose our cause and we, we have to keep fighting for a better life. But in the same time, this is not our goal. Uh, prison is not our goal. We we fight for for life, for happiness, for love, for um, uh, 
uh, good things. So uh, we have to keep to protect ourselves and to keep ourselves safe as much as uh, we can. Uh, for this, Nabi uh, Saleh, they tried to uh, arrest children in a way to, to incriminate adults because it's easy to take a child, force him to sign papers written in Hebrew, uh, which is a language he doesn't understand. And by the end, he's an eyewitness in a case for an activist, and um, he will spend time in jail, and this activist also spent time in jail. So for this, we did legal courses to teach children what is their legal uh, rights in case of being arrested. We send them for summer camps outside in, in Spain, Italy, France, to teach them that, okay, you are fighting for um, freedom. This is what freedom means. Uh, yeah. You fight for uh, love. This is how love looks like. Uh, you fight for dignity. That's how dignity or, or people live with dignity. This is life with dignity. So all these th things, they it gives the, the children that, okay, there is beautiful life. We have to fight for it. And I don't want to lose my, lose my life. So yeah. they still believe in also with Israeli activists that we are not fighting a religion. It's not Judaism. We are fighting Zionism. It's a, a mentality and the ideology. So any Israeli Jew who believe in us, he's welcome. So they, now they differentiate that. It's not the Judaism or Jew or Israeli who we are fighting. It's the uniform. This way we this were able place. to... We, ha we have to stop here, but this is a, this is a, actually a very good place to stop to when you to, to talk about how you send them to see what dignity and love and life is, and that's what they're fighting for, so they know what it's all about. Um, Manel Tamimi, thank you very, very much. If you are, if you've been listening, this is a Mikopelad hour. We've been listening to Manel, my conversation with Manel Tamimi from Nabi Saleh in Palestine. Soul Conversations is coming up next, so please stay tuned, and I will see you again next week. Thank you. Uh,